everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Greater European Talks. In this episode, we are going to be talking about Conference on the Future of Europe. Today, we are joined by Yusu Yarviniemi. Yusu, maybe you can start by telling us about yourself. Thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. I'm Yuso. I'm 26 and I'm a Euro enthusiast from Finland. I studied in Edinburgh, in Paris, and finally in Bruges. I've been a member of the Young European Federalists uh, since 2014. So since last November, I've been the vice president of uh, Jeff Europe. And before this, uh, I was, for example, the editor of our web magazine, The New Federalist. Professionally, I've done a traineeship at the European Commission in the past, and I also would like to work for the EU in the future. So all in all, I'm a European through and through. Yeah, perfect. You are in the Young European Federalist, and it would be amazing if you could explain this political group to the audience. So Jeff uh, is a European-wide youth organization that uh, campaigns for European integration towards a federal Europe. The roots of this movement already start from World War II, and this year the European-level organization in its current format celebrates the 50th anniversary. Actually, uh, just before we recorded this podcast, uh, I was in Luxembourg for the 50th anniversary party of our organization. This is really something that is present for us at the moment. This is active in more than 30 countries, so we raise awareness of the EU, we organize discussion and debate events, we arrange international seminars to bring people together from across national borders, we do public campaigns and we do advocacy towards decision makers on different topics related to European integration. That's cool indeed. What do you think attracts many people to federalism, especially young people? a lot of problems in our day that have a European dimension. So when you think about the refugee crisis that is going, going on in Ukraine right now, or if you think about the COVID pandemic, these are issues that transcend national borders almost by definition. So I think it's quite natural that people are asking what the EU is doing about these problems. And they're asking if the EU that we have today is uh, strong enough to tackle these issues. And I think it would be unimaginable to live in the modern world without some kind of an EU. So very often when, it, when we see that the EU is supposed to act, at the same time, we, we still need to hold our breath to see if some member state blocks uh, common action. And uh, that is something that really frustrates people within Jeff, but I think also more broadly. So whenever people are unhappy, when they're afraid that some member states will again block uh, strong EU action, we as the Federalists, we can say that we have a solution for this issue. We can say that the only option really is uh, a different Europe. Yeah, a federal Europe is the solution for us. It's a union of citizens, uh, not just a union of national governments that tend to quarrel with each other every now and then. Besides this political rationale, I think it's also that the young generation has uh, grown up in a world where you have opportunities to interact with people from different countries. So all of this that creates a foundation for this idea of a European citizenship and for creating this Europe of citizens that we stand for. Now let's move on the conference on the future of Europe. This conference has been going on for a year, as you know, and many people, many citizens participated. It's final stage now. Let's say that everyone heard about it, but let's also say that nobody knows anything about the conference. So what is the conference on the future of Europe? Indeed. This is something that needs to be explained over and over again to people because it's complex. But the Conference on the Future of Europe, it was launched uh, in spring 2021. And it's this exercise for citizens to share their views on what the future of Europe should look like. And it's a joint initiative by the major EU institutions, so the European Commission, the Parliament uh, and the Council. 
first thing that needs to be explained is the online platform of the conference. It's uh, FutureEU, uh, Europa.eu. It enables citizens to publish their ideas for the future of Europe on this online platform. And then these debates that people have on the online platform will feed into the citizens' panels of the conference that consist of uh, randomly selected citizens. The panels, uh, they are mostly done now. They've discussed some of the most popular suggestions uh, on the online platform. And then these groups of randomly selected citizens made their recommendations for the future of Europe. And now what is happening pretty much now is that these recommendations are going to the Conference on the Future of Europe Plenary, where you also have representatives from the member states, from the European Parliament, national parliaments, and also other actors like civil society. And finally, it is the plenary that proposes the final outcome of this conference. So we really are approaching the final stages uh, of conference. Uh, citizens panel recommendations uh, have been made now. And the next thing that we are waiting for is the conclusions of the conference that will come out this spring. And of course, after that, there is the question of how all of this is going to be followed up and how all of these recommendations from the citizens are translated into practice. So what were the primary topics of the working groups? I think the beauty of this conference on the future of Europe encompasses all policy areas, basically. There was nine policy areas for the conference, for example, environment, health, uh, European democracy, migration, Europe in the world, and so on. And these nine topics, they were divided between four citizens' panels. So each citizens' panel had a couple of topics that they debated. And other citizens' panels, they had meetings, both online and also in person, to propose, uh, discuss proposals uh, within their fields. So yeah, basically everything is on the table in the conference. What are the citizens' most important suggestions? What future do people want for the European Union? All in all, I think the clear message from the citizens' panels is that uh, citizens want a stronger EU and they also want uh, treaty change. So, for example, we have recommendations from the citizens' panels, for example, for European guarantees for a minimum wage, for harmonizing taxation rules between the member states, possibility of EU-wide referendum, change of the EU treaties to strengthen the EU's powers on health, reallocation of asylum seekers between member states. Those are just some of the examples, but what they all have in common is that they call for a stronger European Union. So when you ask citizens, what kind of a Europe do you want? The decisive answer is more EU. So besides that, uh, as I mentioned, pretty change is something that's explicitly mentioned in multiple recommendations. So for example, EU-wide referendum or treaty change on public health. These are things where citizens clearly ask uh, specifically for the treaties to be reopened. So that is also something that shows that citizens don't have any taboos about Europe. They are ready for even more radical change towards a more united Europe. Are you hopeful for the conference? I mean, do you think it's been rightfully criticized or not? Yeah, I think this is a really important question. I think that there's also a lot of points to make about this. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is that the conference it has been criticized for its lack of visibility, of course. So, for example, even today, as we're approaching the end of this conference, we only have around 50,000 citizens registered on the online platform. And uh, I see this as an issue. But uh, on the other hand, the citizens' panels, because they are randomly selected, this helps to mitigate the issue a bit. Anyway, of course, visibility is an issue. And I think it's important to clarify that uh, the idea behind the conference is great. And uh, this deserves to be continued and repeated as well. 
even if there's been some issues in the implementation of this conference. When it comes to this visibility, um, I think one issue is that public institutions at the national level, in my opinion, they haven't really done enough to bring this conference to the citizens. We see the EU institutions, they really are doing their best. They really are publicizing this everywhere. But uh, we see barely any mentions of the conference in the mainstream national media that uh, most citizens follow. And I think national institutions will be crucial in bringing this debate to the citizens. We as civil society as well, we really have done a lot of work to promote this conference. But again, we can only be one part of uh, bringing this conference to citizens. Now, second criticism is that conference is set up in quite a complex way and uh, it's still not very clear in what way the citizens' recommendations really are taking into account. Now, Jeff has an infographic about the conference uh, on our website and uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, it's actually even more complicated than the EU itself. So it really is a complex affair and uh, it's hard to explain to the citizens. So many stages we want the citizens suggest and what the final conclusions of this conference are. And uh, this is why citizens might quite legitimately ask, what is the incentive for me to participate in this conference? I think these complications, they really reflect the reticence that uh, many member state governments had towards this whole conference. Since the beginning, we've heard uh, the council, some member states voicing their doubts, um, they are saying, yeah, we shouldn't really be talking about treaty change, for example. This conference isn't so important after all. So all of this uh, it feeds into discouragement that some citizens might feel towards the conference. Um, I really think that there are some governments that they were afraid of the EU reform that might result from this conference. And this is, of course, very regrettable because this is such a great opportunity to hear what citizens think about Europe. So all in all, I think there's issues for sure. Not everything was perfect about this conference so far, but it's undeniable, in my opinion, that the idea of asking citizens in a structured way what they want for Europe, this is really valuable. It's an excellent idea, and I really think we should continue this for the future. This is the first time that we have done this at such a large scale, so I'm sure that we can improve the idea and we can have many more conferences on the future of Europe in the future. Yeah, I agree with you. This is indeed an excellent opportunity for citizens. But of course, there are some challenges. And in your opinion, what are the main obstacles for the EU in order to achieve its main goals? I'm going to reply with the standard federalist answer here. In my opinion, the main obstacle is the national vetoes in the EU. And uh, I'm quite happy to see that the citizens' panels of this conference seem to agree with this. The prime example, of course, is foreign policy. Um, we're very often seeing that EU action gets uh, watered down because there's one or two countries uh, that don't agree. And of course, the solution for that would be to move to a qualified majority voting, even in foreign policy, instead of doing it by unanimity. And other citizens' panels, indeed, they ask for qualified majority voting in all EU foreign policy decision-making. So they totally agree. And the same thing goes for taxation. Taxation, again, is something where you usually require unanimity, slows things down. And uh, tax policy is one of these things where the citizens' panels want to more integration. So again, I think uh, citizens' panels, they actually align with a lot of the things that Jeff has been saying all along. And that's really good to see. But more broadly, um, I think the national veto, it also makes it harder for us to have proper EU budgets, which goes beyond this one or two percent of the GDP that we currently have. Now, in 2020, for example, the European Council was negotiating the multi-annual budget for the EU. 
And uh, they did pass the next generation EU fund, the 750 billion uh, COVID recovery fund. So that was great. But at the same time, during the summit, as I was observing it, I was very discouraged to see when governments were bickering over whether the multi-annual budget should be 1.074 trillion or 1.134 trillion euros. Because in the grand scheme of things, this really looks like it's just petty fighting over relatively small amounts in the grand scheme of things. And of course, this happens because governments, they want to go home and they want to parade their great negotiating victory to their domestic electorates. So this really is not the kind of a Europe that I personally believe in. I think we can do so much more as Europeans. And I think I really think that we need to go beyond this kind of debating between the national governments, especially because we are so far away from the fiscal capacity that I think we would need in order to protect ourselves from any future euro crises. So I'm not sure if removing the national veto alone is enough to address this issue of a too small EU budget, but I think that will be a great first step and it's probably also a necessary first step for that. Did young European federalists engage in any advocacy during the conference? Indeed, we have been very active in the conference, both on the online platform and elsewhere. So on the online platform, we published uh, 10 JEF proposals that are based on the official policies of our organization. And uh, indeed, these became some of the most popular proposals on the whole platform. So flagship idea, which is called uh, Stronger Together, a Democratic European Federation, is the most endorsed idea on the entire platform of this conference on the future of Europe. And our idea about a fiscal union is also the most popular on the economy section and so on. And personally, I also need to mention that the Jeff idea about treaty change uh, on the EU's health powers, that was written by me, and uh, I'm very happy about that. And uh, it made it almost directly to the citizens' panel recommendations, almost word for word. So that was something that I personally was really pleased with. Now, besides this, it's coordinating civil society activities around this conference. So there's an organization called Civil Society Europe that created a coalition of more than 80 NGOs that coordinate their work on the conference, especially to ensure that citizens' voices are taken into account in this conference. And our Secretary General of CHEF, Milos, is a co-chair of this coalition. Milos is also a member of the conference plenary, and he is one of the representatives of civil society in this plenary. We are very proud of him. Now, we are continuing our advocacy um, on this conference for the citizens' proposals to be taken into account. And for example, on the 7th of May, Jeff is co-organizing a March for Europe in Strasbourg, where we are going to demand proper follow-up for the conference. So we are doing a lot, both on the streets, on the online platform, and also in the debating rooms where civil society is making its voice heard. Thank you. That's fantastic. And let's move on to the final question. What are your hopes for the conference short-term and long-term follow-up? Yeah, it's basically what I've been saying all along, that uh, it's important for citizens' proposals to be translated into practice. I think that's essential for the credibility of this exercise, because if the politicians read these proposals of the citizens and then decide to do nothing or just pick out the proposals that they were going to implement anyway, then you really need to ask why we have this conference in the first place. So it's important that uh, this really leads to some change and so that people see the meaning of why we did this whole thing. For some proposals, maybe it's about introducing new legislation. For some other proposals, maybe it's about reforming the EU treaties, as I mentioned. But the Commission Vice President uh, responsible for the conference, uh, Dobre Gatsuita, 
has said publicly that the Commission supports treaty change as an outcome of the conference if the citizens ask for it. And indeed, the citizens did ask for it in multiple citizens' panel proposals. So I think for sure, treaty change should be on the cards as an outcome of this conference. Or maybe even better, maybe the conference should serve as an impetus for a convention for creating a European constitution, because this is something important for the Federalists. This would ensure that the EU treaties are not just treaties between the governments, but that there is something more, citizen involvement in the creation of these treaties, so that we create a Europe of citizens and not just a Europe of governments. So I think this kind of a constitutional convention would be a key moment for achieving a federal EU. And I really think that the conference, with all of the proposals that citizens have made so far, it really gives impetus for launching this kind of a process for Europe. Thank you so much for joining us. And it's the end of our podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks again for inviting me. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you would like to join one of our future episodes, please email us at podcast at